What's up, Journey Church? How's everybody doing today? Y'all excited to be here? Man, wasn't that worship good? Man, they did a great job, knocked it out of the park. Uh, it was good to see y'all, good to be back. We actually, uh, you guys know Pastor Jeremy let the cat out of the bag last week. Uh, we were out of town, and uh, we were gone for about 11 or 12 days, and that was a bucket list trip for us. Uh, that we were supposed to, we've been talking about this trip for 30 years, and that uh, we're supposed to take it on our 25th anniversary, and the flood knocked that out of the water. And so we're celebrating 28 years in June, so we made this trip over the last couple of weeks. And so if you didn't hear, we went to Paris, we went to France, and... We went uh, to London. Where... Paris and London. Oh, yeah, I was just thinking of Paris because that was my place. I enjoyed right. it. Went London to London for four place. days, Paris for four days. You know what the problem with Paris is? They speak French. Yeah. I, I don't. Uh, we know very little. Yeah, very, I learned one little. word while we were there, and the word is non. You know what that means? No. No, it means no. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like it should mean no, and they're, they're like, parlez-vous français? And I'm like, no. So... <laughs> I'm surprised they even asked me that because I'm like, hey, y'all, where's the Eiffel Tower at? <laughs> so, but. <laughs> we, we look like the total American tourist. I mean, he had on like Fanny his. pack, everything. No, <laughs> so. But he, a hat, and I'm like, nobody is Sandals, wearing a hat. black socks up to my and the knees. No, no, it wasn't that bad. Okay. It was too cold. <laughs> that was just her. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay. No, that All was right. not me. <laughs> we, we made it. I'm safe. She didn't catch that. Okay. Uh, so here's the deal. We're in this series called Worth Fighting For. Uh, Jeremy kicked it off last week. Didn't he do a good job, y'all? He did a great job. And I told him, I said, look, you talk about marriage, kick it off, talk about marriage. We're going to talk about family for the next couple weeks. And uh, I, I love to preach, love to teach, but my absolute favorite thing to do is whenever Stacy and I actually get to teach together. And uh, she just brings such a great perspective on a lot of different things. And I wonder if we, she, she gets aggravated whenever I do this, but I just want to take just a quick moment to honor her. And the reason why is because a lot of times she's behind the scenes. She's very quiet. She's always sitting there. Everybody's looking to see her response whenever I say stuff, you know, that, that's like, it. but what you guys don't know is from day one of Journey Church, she's been the driving force behind so much here. Uh, she keeps me in check in a lot of areas, you know, where I'm like, hey, let's do this. And she's like, hey, hold on, big boy. You know, let's make sure we prayed about this. Let's make sure that, you know, that this is the Lord. And uh, I just want to take a quick moment as the mama of the house, you know, she pastors alongside of me. But can we just take a moment to honor her and just give her a great big hand clap. I didn't tell her earlier that I was going to do that, but uh, I just felt like it, it was a good thing to do. So, and then also while we're clapping our hands, I want to welcome any guests that we have today. We hope that you feel right at home. Uh, I'm Jay, this is my wife, Stacey. We are the lead pastors here at Journey. And then also for all of you who are joining us online right now, thank you for being a part of this service wherever you are. We have people not only in this area, but quite a few people who tune in on a week-to-week -week basis from Mississippi and Kentucky and all these different places. So Journey Church, let's give them a great big hand clap to welcome them today. Now, if you're wondering what's this series all about, if you were not here last week, we live in a culture that tells us when you get tired of something, all you got to do is trade it in. You know, you got that iPhone 10, the new iPhone 11 just came out. You're tired of it because it doesn't take, you know, as good of pictures as the iPhone 11. Uh, all you got to do is go take it and trade it in. Uh, we live in a culture and society. Whenever we get tired of things, we look at them as being disposable. And so many times we think, well, if I get the newest, the latest, the greatest, the best, it is going to make me happy. Everybody say happy. happy. Say it like this. Say happy. happy. Okay, you like that. All right. Uh, how about this, though? The sad part of that is we have adopted that mindset even regarding our marriages and our families. We think, well, I'm not happy in this marriage or my family's got, you know, some issues. You know, we look in the disposable mindset and the reality is we are called to build a strong marriage, to build a strong family. And you need to hear me on this. It is hard work and it takes time. It's not something that happens overnight. While we were overseas, we actually saw this reality show. I can't even remember the name of it, uh, but it actually, these people marry a total stranger, y'all. 
maybe you're familiar with this. I, I've never, I, I was not. You marry a total stranger, and then you go on a honeymoon together, and then you're, you're working this thing out, figuring out like, you know, and, and at the end of it, you sit down with whoever, and you decide, well, we're compatible or not. We're going to get a divorce and go our separate ways or not. And I'm like, what a sham that is. What a shame that is, actually, and what a mockery of marriage that is. Because guess what? You don't meet somebody and get married and go on a little honeymoon. They were on this five-day honeymoon, and these couples were fighting. They're like, I don't know if we're going to make it. I'm like, well, what do you expect, doofus? You just met, you know? You, You don't even like each other, okay? So marriage is hard work. Family is hard work. But instead of throwing in the towel, we need to realize it is worth fighting for. Amen? So, all right, if we have kids in here, I apologize for saying doofus, okay? That really probably wasn't good things Pastor Jay to say in front of you, so it is what it is. All right, so anyway, here's what's going on. Jeremy spoke about marriage last week. We're going to talk about uh, family this week and next week, and uh, go, I think. Right, so we're going to be talking about our families are worth fighting for today. And I want to take a quick little survey. Um, Give me a show of hands, and remember, we're in church, okay? So you have to be honest. Have you ever been frustrated with your kids? Oh, see, y'all did good. First service, they weren't telling the truth. And we had to say, okay, come on, you know. Uh, they, they were all like, tell the our, truth and shame they the were devil. Like, our kids are angels. We're like, we know your kids, yeah, okay? No. <laughs> no, as much as we would all like to believe that, yeah, no. Okay. We, hey, we. It's okay to get frustrated with your kids. They're not perfect, right? No. I got frustrated with my kids last night. That's true, so, and they're grown. Yeah. That's right. Okay, so, so many of us, we, we do. We get frustrated with our kids. All right, next question. How many of you have ever wondered if you're doing this parenting thing right? Yeah. I mean, it just kind of depends on if we're having a good day or a bad day, right? I mean. I, I've actually had the thought, God, I hope I'm not screwing these kids up. Right, I, truly. I, Truly, I think I think we've all I think we've all had that that thought before because parenting is hard. I mean, it, it really is. They don't come with an instruction manual, unfortunately, and they're all all of our kids are so very different. So, even though that is it's hard and it's difficult at time, times, it's worth fighting for. Amen. So, um, as parents, we have this wonderful God-given ability, okay, to invest in something very powerful (laughs) for our children, and and it's often overlooked, all right? And that is that we have the ability to influence our kids, okay? How many of you know that in today's culture, um, especially with social media being such a huge thing in all of our lives, but especially for the younger generation, there is such a thing as a social media influencer. It's, okay. It literally is a job. I'm like, it I is. didn't know you they could get, do that They as get a job. paid for this because they get so many followers and people wanting to know what they are saying. Whether, like the girls are like, you know, following the ones on fashion and makeup. And the guys are like watching these influencers about fitness and, and things like that. Well, and There's like a little kid, like seven, eight years old. All he does is play with toys and he's an influencer. He's made like millions. I'm like, you're seven. What are you going to spend $20 million on? I mean, you're picking boogers and stuff. I mean. No, that's, that, I would be, that would be badly influencing. Yeah, so, so you can influence in a good way or you could influence in, in a bad way. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about that, that the, the mo- probably the most important person um, in my life that influenced me the most in my life would have been my mom. And, and the influence that, that she gave to me was um, really, from what I remember, from the age that I was about 10 years old, when she gave her heart to Christ. And watching her um, as she was growing in her walk with the Lord and as she would learn things, she would turn around and teach that to um, my sister and myself. And so she influenced me in such a way um, to build my faith in, in my walk with the Lord and, and, and being a Christ follower. And so being an, influence, being an influencer can be a good thing are a bad thing, and we as parents, we have that ability, and it is a God-given ability. We need to be influencing our, our family more than social media is influencing because they're going to be influenced one way or the other. They're going to be drawn 
to that. And I just want to encourage you to, whether you're a parent here today, whatever your role may be in your family, maybe you're a grandparent, maybe you're the aunt, the uncle, what, what, whatever role you play, you have that opportunity to be a good and godly influence right. on your family. Because our families are worth fighting for. Now, right. here, here's what I want to tell you. She says that, that we have the ability to influence our kids uh, we a lot of times overlook that, you know, we just say, well, we're just going through life, you know, we're trying to parent the best we, we can, but no, we are called by God to influence our kids and point them towards Christ. Now, she said this, she said, influencing can be either good or it can be bad. You heard the good side, her mom influenced her for Christ, her mom spoke in her life, her mom raised her up, uh, you know, to, to be a lady and to, to be someone of honor and respect and to love the Lord and all those types of things, but... Our kids can also be influenced in a negative way by us if we're not careful. Now picture this. I'm going to take you to the edge of the extreme, okay? Picture this. You are sitting in your living room as a kid. I don't know, 10 years old, whatever. You're eating a bowl, Captain Crunch, because that's amazing. Especially, they got that Captain Crunch with those mountain berries in it or whatever. The, uh, whatever it is. My mom wouldn't buy that kind of cereal. She's like, I ain't wasting money on that sugar-filled cereal. So we got cornflakes, all right? Then you dump a whole bunch of sugar in it, okay? That's right. So you sit and you're eating your cereal, and all of a sudden, you're watching Scooby-Doo, okay? And then all of a sudden, this commercial comes on TV, and it rocks your world. Because this is the edge of a negative way to influence your kids. Roll the video. I love this. It's yours? No, I'm... Your mother said she found it in your closet. I don't know. One of the guys was... Must have what? Look, Dad, it's Where not... Where did you get it? Dad, Answer I... me. Who taught you how to do this stuff? You, all right? I learned it by watching you. Parents who use drugs have children who use drugs. Y'all remember that? Come on, y'all. You eat, you eat your cereal and you're like, what just happened? <laughs> But, you know, I know that's crazy, but that's like the, I'm not saying like, hopefully you're not here teaching kids to smoke pot. Okay, I'm just saying that. But the crazy part about this, that is the far edge of the extreme of influencing your kids in a bad way. Now, here's the deal. Regardless, uh, you need to understand your kids are watching. Our kids are watching us as we go through life. And here's this guy in this commercial. He doesn't even realize he's teaching his kid something that's horrific that could wreck his life. And his son is watching him. Now, uh, I like that because we have the ability to be able to influence our kids, good or bad. So let's make sure that we're influencing them in a positive, godly way. Now, we're talking about influence. I'm going to take you in this direction. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul is actually writing to his protege, his, his, his friend, Timothy. And, and he's spoken into this young man's life. And he begins to speak of the ones who influenced him within his faith. He's talking about his grandma and his mom. And this is in 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 3 through 5. He says, he's writing and he says, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day I constantly remember you. He's thinking of Timothy. He's writing this letter. I think of you or remember you in my prayers. Recalling your, your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith. Look at this. Which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives also in you. Now check this out. He's speaking of those who influenced Timothy. Once he's spoken to his life in a godly way, he's talking about his grandma, he's talking about his mama, and think about that. As our kids and our grandkids are growing up, even our nieces and our nephews, they are watching us. We have the ability to influence them in a healthy, a positive, a godly way. And we need to be doing that because our families are worth fighting for. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a few minutes and we're going to talk to you a little bit about the best ways to influence our kids in a godly way. And I, I want to share the first one with you. In reality, if you're taking notes, write these things down. But a lot of these things, I believe this. I believe we know these things, but it's the reality of putting these things into action. A lot of times we come to church, we get all excited, motivated. I'm going to do this. And then we leave out of here, and, and within a, a couple of hours a day, we forget about those things because we get distracted by all the other things in the world. But check this out. These are things that we need 
to do. Look at your neighbor and say, just do it. Okay, no, don't go get a pair of Nike tennis shoes. These things, just do them, okay? And so here's the first thing that you need to do. If you want to influence your family in a godly way, you need to learn to say what needs to be said. Now, you say, what does that mean? It's sad, but all too often we never take the opportunities to tell people how much we love them. We never take the opportunities to speak encouragement into people's lives, our kids, our family members, the ones that God has placed around us in life. And, and, and I'm just going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to get on the men a little bit. This is especially true with guys. And here's the sad part. A lot of times we've been raised up in, in a culture that tells us, well, if you tell other people you love them or you make yourself vulnerable emotionally to them, that is a sign of weakness. Listen to me, my friend. I'm going to tell you this very in a way that I hope helps you is this, that if you want a healthy and a strong family, if you want to influence your kids in a godly way, tell your kids that you love them, okay? Tell your kids that you're proud of them. Speak the things of God into their life. And I get it. It is much easier if you have a daughter to tell your daughter, oh, I love you, little princess. You're so sweet. And maybe not do so with your sons because you want them to grow up and be tough and rough and all this kind of stuff. But we need to tell our sons the same thing. We need to be in the, uh, the mindset we can tell them we love them. We're proud of them. We need to be able to hug them. And I'm going to tell you something. My sons, one of the, my dad, he's kind of old school. I love him dearly. We're very close. We've got a great family. And, and my dad, we, we'll hug. But it's kind of that, that old school, you know, like, ugh, hug, you know. And, you know, I love you. I love you too, you know. But with my sons, I try to be very affectionate with them. I've, I've always, from day one, have spoken to them that I love them, that I'm proud of them. And even today, like when we get off the phone now, a lot of times they're the ones telling me, hey, Dad, I, I love you. And I want that to be known within their lives. And so we need to make sure that we, we're doing that. You say, well, why is that important? Well, listen to what Proverbs 4 says. The writer's as though he's talking to his son. He says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words and do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart for they are life. Everybody say life. life. They are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Everybody say health. When we tell the people in our lives, in our families, the things that need to be said, we are bringing life and health into them, but we are also bringing that into our family as well. And I'm just going to say this to you. As ministers, we've had the opportunity to be with a lot of people in their last moments. Okay? We get the call. We go to the hospital. We're there with family. We're there with friends. Uh, we've been doing this now for 25 years, and we have sat with a lot of families in those last moments. And, and i got to tell you something. I've seen both sides of the equation. I've seen the side of the equation where there are lots of regrets there, where you have a, a, a son or a daughter saying of their parent, well, I hope that they know how much I love them because maybe they didn't communicate that. And I've also seen a parent laying in the bed and the kids, because the parent never really shared that with them that much because they want to be tough. And i got to tell you something, that's a difficult situation to be in. But I've seen the other side of the equation, whatever, it's almost like an air of celebratory. Whenever the, the ones there, they know mama, dad, whatever is laying in bed. They're fixing to go home and be with Jesus. And, and, and they know because that family's close-knit, they're tight. They tell each other, they love each other. They always speak words of affirmation and life to each other. And it is a completely different environment. So let's be in the habit, if we want strong families, we want healthy families, we're going to influence our families for Christ in the right way. Let's make sure that the words that are coming out of our mouth are bringing life and health to our family, or to our spouse, to our kids. So now I'm going to throw it to you. That's right. Because I'm a little preaching I mean, they never, you know, the ones that we've been with, you know, on their deathbed, they never regret that they told their family members that they loved them too much. You can't tell your family that you love them too much. Yeah, I've never had anybody say, well, I, is there anything, you, you know, you want to talk about? Well, I just, I'm laying here in bed thinking about how much I told my family. I told them I loved them too much, okay? No, never that, said that, that. that. That never happens. In fact, in these days... <laughs> My, my kids aren't going to appreciate this, but if I, I'm always telling them that I love them and they know that they have to say it back and I, I get hugs before they leave and, and all that kind of stuff. But while we were, we were when we were away on our trip, um, so I'm sending them little 
texts of I love you with little emojis like kissing, you know, that kind of thing. And my boys are grown, you know, they're grown. But I'm not going to pass up any opportunity. I'm going to take it, you know, to tell them how much that I love them. This is the thing. Like while we were gone, her phone, I, I like grabbed it. I'm like, I'm going to respond to this. And I responded. And she's like, well, if you're responding as though you're me, make sure you put some emojis on the That's end or right. they'll know oh, it's they're, not they're, me. They're going to know that it's you. So That's I put right. a unicorn. That's put right. A unicorn. That's right. Yeah, it was so funny because like we were six hours ahead, right? So when we arrived in London, it was like in the middle of the night here. So I didn't text the, the kids, hey, you know, we're, we're okay. Well, we get busy and then we're so tired, we crash, you know. And so at 3.30 in the morning there, I get a text and it's one of my kids saying, um, did you make it okay? And then they're going, hello, hello. And so I, I wake up and I respond and I'm like, yes, we, ma we made it. I'm sorry. It's in the middle of the night here. And they're like, well, I was just making sure the plane didn't crash. And I was like, oh, you do love me. You do care. She's it was like, great. Jay, they care about us. Know. You know, it's usually me going, um, are you going to respond? You know, I want to, you know, that's, that's the mom, but it totally switched. The so anyway, didn't crash. yeah, they I wanted like to make it. sure. So, um, so anyway, you can never, you, like you said, you can never tell your family members enough how much that you love them or how proud you are of them or to encourage them. And um, I just really feel led to share a story about my dad. I don't talk about um, my dad very often. A lot of times when I'm speaking, I, I speak more about my mom. But, um, but I thought about this past week, uh, February 11th, made 12 years that my dad has passed away. In fact, he passed away on his birthday on February 11th. And, um, and so this week I, I was thinking about that. And when we were talking about, you know, saying what needs to be said, I thought about how, you know, growing up, I grew up in a home where my mom was, was serving the Lord, but my dad was not. Okay. And I spent the majority of my upbringing with quality time with my mom and not so much with my dad because he was not very present during my childhood. He was a workaholic. He had his own business. He was a very successful businessman. And, you know, growing up, I had the opportunity to, to, to you know, of course, be bitter about that, that he didn't spend a lot of um, quality time with us. But then as I got older, I, I realized what a wonderful provider he was, you know, for our family. Well, about 14 years ago, he um, developed some health issues, had had, you know, some, some strokes and, and um, heart issues, and, and his health was, was really bad. And so um, he lived in North Louisiana. So we'd gone up there, and um, one of the doctors came in the room, and they, you know, said, look, there's nothing else that we can do. We can't put in any more stents. We can't do any more surgeries. It's just not going to work. I'm really sorry. We are only going to, you know, say that he may have four months left to live. Well, at that time, you know, I had always prayed for my dad's salvation. But I was like, Lord, he does not know you. He has never surrendered his heart to you. Even though he grew up in a home with a Pentecostal grandmother and, and he, you know, knew of God. But he didn't have that relationship with the Lord. And so... Um, I just began to pray for his salvation. But during that time, um, the Lord began to deal with my heart and what unforgiveness that I was carrying inside of me. And I just began to, to release that to the Lord, let, let that go, forgive him for, you know, what had or had not happened um, in my upbringing. And the Lord began to restore things. And even he lived far away, but he began to um, come and spend some weekends with us. And even one time he spent like a, a whole week and we were able to spend a lot of quality time together. And, um, and, and, and God just began to um, just, just bring a lot of restoration, like redeem the time that was lost. And even though, you know, it wasn't something where... I brought it up to him like, well, you know, Dad, you did this to me, or, or I, I was hurt when, when you did whatever, you know. That was, that, was never, that was never even said because I had released that. That was between me and the Lord, you know. And so that forgiveness 
was there. And because of that, the Lord redeemed our time together. And not only did we have did he have the time with his grandsons and, and the time uh, redeemed with, uh, with me and my sister, but also that there were conversations said. Things were, things were restored in that way also. And so um, the, the time that he came and he spent that long week with us, you know, I've been just praying and just serving him and, and loving on him and taking care of him and, you know, just enjoying the fact that the Lord was redeeming and restoring that time. And then there was one night while he was there, um, it was about bedtime, and um, we were having a conversation, and he just broke, and Jay and I had the opportunity to lead him to the Lord. And so that, amen, let's, yes, let's give the Lord a cup. But I'm telling you this story, and I just feel so impressed to tell, tell you this story because, you know, don't wait till it's too late. Okay, don't wait till it's too late. You know, say what needs to be said. Not necessarily that, hey, you know, you really, you did this and that and the other to me and I'm really mad at you. No, go before the Lord and release that to him and then see how God can restore and redeem what was lost. Okay, and we need to pour those life-giving words and affirmation into our family and let them know you know, our love for them. My dad and I, we always told each other that we loved each other. It wasn't that he didn't say that to me, okay? There was just this absence that was there, that, that was missing, you know, um, when I was younger. But not only, you know, d- did he redeem, you know, the quality time, but also things that, that need to be said. And, you know, the doctor said, well, we only give him four months to live. Can I tell you that he lived two years longer than the doctor said? And so I just give God all the the glory for that. So don't wait till it's too late, okay? And I I know that's that's probably for more than one person here today. So you got to say what what you need to say. But then secondly, you need to do what needs to be done, Okay, so if you're taking notes, write that down. So you might say, well, what needs to be done? I mean, you know, one of the most important ways that we can influence our kids is spending quality time with them. Okay, and don't be one, like my dad, I know he regretted that at the end of his life. He regret, he realized I did not do right. I did not spend the time with my kids that I needed to be. So don't let that be your story at all. You know, there, there are there are many valuable things in this world, but the most valuable of all is time. And it's something that we can't get back. So, um, you know, we spend so much um, time on the trivial things, you know, and, and, and fussing and bickering and gossiping and all, all these different rifts in our family. And our families suffer because of it. You know, you know there's that one person that you don't really want to see at Christmas time. You know what I'm talking about, you know? That weird uncle. Right. <laughs> all right. Who in here? Now let's be, who has, a, like, a weird family member? Okay. Oh, yeah. we all do. We, some of we y'all might like, be the weird one. Yeah, I don't some, know. I mean. Some of y'all are like, we don't, we don't have a weird family member. You're, you're the weird you're family member. You're the weird family member. <laughs> right. So, so we can't let these, these things, you know, um, just keep us from, from having the, the family time and, and the, you know, that influence on our family that that's needed and so you know I know that we're all busy okay we, we ha- we're so very busy and, and many things you know are, are happening but don't don't put that off pray and ask the Lord how that that you might could have that restoration um, um, in your family as well in Acts 20 24 I want to read this scripture to you it says however I consider my life worth nothing to me my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So here we are. We have this task, right? And we need to complete that task. And so we have this task to build a strong and a healthy family. We have the task of being the influence, the godly influence over our family members, over our children, okay? And there are many ways that, that we can do this. And number one, we can worship together, okay? Our kids should not have any excuse not to go to church with us, 
whatsoever. That should be something that, um, you know, when younger, mandatory, that, hey, we're all going to worship the Lord together. There's a lot of uh, other options and, and things, but it needs to be a top priority, not on the bottom level. It needs to be on the top that we I, worship together. I've had parents actually say to me before, we don't want to force our kids to go to church. We want them to, to be able to make that choice for themselves. Well, let me say this to you. If your kids had a, a choice for themselves of eating a healthy meal or eating ice cream every night for dinner, what do you think that they're going to do? They're probably, I'm eating ice cream if I'm, you know, 12 years old. But here's the thing. We are the parents, okay? We're not, we're not called to be their friends, their buddy, their pal. We're called to be their parent to lead them and to influence them. So when it comes to worshiping the Lord, train your kids in that. Teach your kids in that. Don't give them a choice. Hey, we go to church on Sunday as a family. It's not an option. Get in the car, okay? Uh, we, we had, as a kid growing up, we were in church every time the door was open. We went to church, and uh, there wasn't any of this, you know, hey, Dad, I just don't really feel like I want to go to church. He'd be like, I'm a tan, you hag, get in the car, okay? Uh, it, it's just part of life. And uh, that's one of the things. We have an opportunity to raise up our kids and to train them and teach them of the importance of, of serving God. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you, because a lot of times when it comes to worship, we make a lot of excuses about church for other, well, I can't go to church today because I got to do this. I can't go to church today because I got to do that. What if we flip that over and we made excuses about other stuff? Well, I can't go do that because we're going to church today. We're going as a family. Growing up, that's how, that's how we rolled. Uh, you know, when it came to sports and things like that, we didn't do those things because as a family, we're in church together. And so I know you say, well, well Pastor, you're kind of getting, you know, you're stepping on our toes a little bit. Good, okay? And the reason why is because I don't want to raise my kid and have them die and go to hell because I did not make church and Jesus a priority within their life, okay? I, I don't want to reach the whole world and, and lose my family to eternity because I did not make church a priority, okay? And here's another thought. I, I, it's important, at dads, for us to teach our, our, our kids things that they need. I, I, I grew up, I taught my kids how to throw a baseball. I taught my kids how to hunt. I taught my kids how to fish. I taught them how to throw a football. But I didn't want to teach them how to throw a baseball and, and in return forfeit God and, and not teach them about the things of God. We need to be teaching our kids about prayer. We need to be teaching our kids about studying and reading the Bible. We need to be teaching our kids about serving Jesus and living a lifestyle of integrity. We need to be teaching our kids about the importance of being a part of a body of believers and growing together. All those other things are important, but guess what? Those are not eternal things. They can throw a fastball and go straight to hell, okay? And here's what I'm going to tell you. We need to make it hard for our kids to go to hell because we're teaching them and training them about the importance of growing in their relationship with Christ to where they will have a hunger and they will pursue Jesus. That's one thing that we always have prayed for our kids. I've always prayed over them. Lord, I thank you that my kids will love you and pursue you every day that they live on this earth. Now, kids have made mistakes. They, they've done stupid things because they're just like every other kid. But guess what? I'm continuing to pray that over my kids. I pray that now over my grandkids, over Libby, over uh, little, what what they decide name? What, okay, we're not Baby supposed Boy to, Coleman. Baby Boy, okay. I don't know if we're supposed to right release now. the name yet. But uh, over baby boy Coleman, as he's in the womb, I pray, Lord, I thank you that he will do great and mighty things for you. Father, I thank you that he will love you and serve you all the days of his life. We need to believe those things for our kids and model those things for them. So I'm going to turn it back over to you. Right. So we're worshiping together, like you said, praying together. You know, when they're little, I mean, you have so much control in, in the home over their lives at that point to, you know, at nighttime, we're going to pray together and you're going to demonstrate um, how to pray with them. And it makes, you know, your faith evident uh, to them and in their lives. But then it's also when they get to be older, even when you have adult um, kids, okay, you're still an influence in their life. If no other way, you're influencing them by your prayers, Okay, so don't ever forget that. Don't ever say, well, my kids are growing. I can no, you can, you can pray for your kids. And then another way to, to build the strong and healthy family is 
you know, play, play together, make time to be together. If you have the money and you can travel, that is great. You are making wonderful memories. But if you don't, there are so many other things that you can do to make good experiences and memories with, with your kids. And just don't pass up those opportunities to do those things. Right. Go to the park, wrestle, play together, have Nerf gun wars, all those right. kinds of things. Right. All right. So, Crafts if you have okay, little girls. I'm, your turn. All right. My turn. All right. So we're talking about saying what needs to be said, doing what needs to be done. Here's another one. You need to live how you need to live. Now, I know you hear that and you say, what is that? Well, here's what it is. As a Christian with our families, if we're influencing them, we need to be a godly example to our family. Here's the question. What does our lifestyle speak to our family? What does our lifestyle speak to the people all around us? We can say that we love God, we can claim Christianity, but do we really show it in our lifestyle? Do we really show it with what comes out of our mouth? Do we really show it with our, our attitude? Here, let me throw this out there. Um, don't act like Jesus on Sunday and live like the devil the rest of the week. Okay? Pastor Jay, that's kind of harsh. No, that's truth right there. Okay? Anybody can claim to be a Christian uh, just by saying, I'm a Christian. No, we need to not say that we're a Christian. We need to live a Christian lifestyle and be a Christian. Okay? Here's what James 1.22 says. He writes, he says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. There's a lot of people who can quote the Bible through in and throughout, but are, are you actually living it in your life? Okay. So in other words, we need to do what the Bible tells us to do. We need to be obedient to the word of God. And the greatest way to build a healthy and strong family is to put God's word in action in our lives. That we need to, to quit trying to justify sin in our life. And we need to live the way that God intends for us to live. Check this out. Because our kids are watching and our kids are listening. Okay? Let me give you an example. This is something I'm very ashamed about that happened many years ago before we had kids. And, and I get it. We, we sometimes mess up. We, we, we sometimes drop the ball. But people are watching and listening. And I had an, a situation whenever we were first married, I was working two full-time jobs. And in the course of that, I got very sick in my body. In fact, got so sick, I lost about 30 pounds in about a month and a half, two months. And uh, had strep and uh, had a, a bad respiratory infection. Would not go to the doctor because I did not want to take time off work. And one night, I worked the night shift at this hospital and uh, was labeling some instruments for surgery. And the, the next shift came in, and there were these, these ladies and, and guys that we all worked together, and we would see each other, and they knew that I was a believer, and uh, I felt like I had done a pretty good job of representing Christ. Well, they walked in, and I was feeling so bad in my body, and was just kind of, almost kind of delusional, I, I guess, and she walked up, and she said, how, how, are you, how are you doing? And I said, well, I'll tell you what, I, I feel so bad, I feel like, and use your imagination. First time she'd ever heard anything like that come out of my mouth. And this is what she said to me. She said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself that you call yourself a Christian and you're going to talk to me like that. And I got to tell you what I felt about this big. And I remember she went on her way, went back into the instrument room, and I kept rapping what I was rapping. And a little while later I went to her and, I said, I need to talk to you, and I apologized to her. I said, I'm going to ask for you to forgive me. I said, yes, I'm a Christian. I'm not perfect. I've been serving the Lord now for a couple of years, but I'm not perfect. I'm going to ask you to forgive me, and I'll do better and make sure that I represent Christ better. Guess what? I've messed up since then. But I had to humble myself and go to her and apologize to her for my behavior because people are watching our kids are watching and listening. So are we acting like Christ in front of them or are we acting like the world in front of them? We have the opportunity to influence our, our kids. So let's make sure that we are modeling Christ for them. I get it. There's times we're going to mess up and it's even okay. There, there's times I've blown up with my kids. I lost my temper. I had to go to them and ask for them to forgive me and apologize to them. Hey, Dad didn't mean to, to lose his cool. And I apologize to you. But let's make sure that we live how we need to live, that we are modeling Christ, that we are living. We're not just claiming a Christian lifestyle, or we're not just claiming Christ, but we are actually doing what James says. We're doing it. We're living it. We are 
walking in relationship with Christ and modeling our life towards him and letting the Holy Spirit shape us more and more each and every day. Amen? Amen. Here's the, next, the, the last thing, and we're going to wrap this up, is that we, we talk about saying things, doing things, living for Christ. But the last thing is this, simply two words, don't quit. Everybody say don't quit. We live in a world that, that's all about disposing of things whenever it gets hard. Well, I, I went to work, and I, my boss talked to me in a way I didn't like, and it's getting difficult. I don't like coworkers, so I'm just going to quit. Or my spouse and I, we, we got in a fight. You know, we, we've been getting quite a few fights here lately, and, and it's getting on my nerves, so I'm going to get a divorce. Or, well, you know, even our kids, we, we train them in this. They go to practice, and the coach fusses at them. They get in the car. Well, how you doing? Well, the coach was mean to me. I want to quit. We live in that culture, that society that trains us to quit, to throw in the towel. But listen to what Paul says to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. Do you understand what that's saying? He's saying, hey, the time where they're about to chop my head off, is getting pretty close. For I have fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. That little phrase right there, those five words is huge. I have kept the faith. I've been beaten, I've been stoned, and, and by stoned I mean with rocks, okay? You, you get that, with rocks. People like trying to kill him. Uh, he's been beaten with reeds. He's had all these, he's been shipwrecked. He's been, people have been so hard. He's been in jail. All these things that have happened, but... In spite of all that, I have kept the faith. And now, there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Paul had good reason to walk away from Christianity. Man, talk about persecution. Talk about difficulties. He had opportunity and every excuse in the world to say, you know what, God? It's been great, but I'm out. But he refused to quit. Because he was in relationship with Christ. He was letting the Holy Spirit lead him day in and day out. And I'm going to tell you what, this world we live in, it is a harsh environment. Marriage is hard. Family is hard. But with the power of the Holy Spirit leading us and directing us, changing us, convicting us, we can have our families to be strong and healthy. We can influence our families and our marriages in the right way. And if you would ask me, Pastor what is the greatest family advice, marital advice that you can give me, what would it be? It would be this. Surrender and submit yourself to the Holy Spirit and let him lead you. We are too led by our emotions in this day and age that we live in. We feel something, we run with it. And the Holy Spirit is one who does want to change us, convict us, empower us, fill us with his giftings, do all these things inside of us. And he wants to work within our life, but he also wants to work in our marriage and within our family as well. Amen? Amen. So don't quit. Our families are worth fighting for. Amen? Amen? Let's pray together. Father, you are so good. We love you and honor you and worship you today. And Lord, we thank you for the institution of marriage. We thank you for family. And Lord, even though sometimes we get frustrated with our kids, with our spouse, and Father, you will bring us through all that, and you will use that within our lives to make us better. Better husbands, better wives, better parents, better friends. And Father, today, I thank you that may our lives be fully surrendered to you. That, Lord, we would, we would shrug off the, the things of this world. We'd quit justifying and making excuses for sin. And, Lord, there would be a desire within our lives for holiness, to pursue you, to pursue holiness, to be more like you each and every day. And, Lord, we'll stop justifying sin, but we'll lay it down, walk away from it, and grow closer to you. And, Holy Spirit, may we truly surrender everything and submit to you and allow you to fill our lives. Say, say, just say that. Say, Holy Spirit, fill me today with your presence, with who you are. And Lord, let us be, Holy Spirit, led by you in everything when it comes to our kids as we influence them. With our spouse as we honor them. Father, let us genuinely have a desire to model you 
Not to just have the claim or the label of Christianity affixed to our lives. But as James says, to do it, to live it. And Father, pursuing you every single day of our life so that we can not only be men and women of God, but we can be the husband, the father, the wife, the spouse that you have called us to be. Now there are some of you in this room right now with every eye still closed, every head still bowed. Don't peek, don't look around. Maybe you've come to the realization that you're not really walking with God. Maybe you just, you know, have been pulled towards the, the label of being religious. Well, I go to church every now and then. Or I'm trying to figure this out, get into heaven by being a good person. That doesn't work. The Bible plainly tells us we don't get to heaven by works. We don't get to heaven with religion. It's only by Christ Jesus. Maybe you need to come to the realization that if you have not surrendered your life to Christ, then you fall in the same category as every other person who's been born. We're born into this world in sin we are born into this world lost. And we must have an experience that's called being born again. Jesus plainly spoke about this. And it's coming to the place that we realize that we're lost. That in the condition we are in, it's hopeless. But hope came. And hope went to the cross. And hope's name is Jesus Christ. And when we receive and realize what Jesus did for us, he took our sins, your sins, my sins, the sins of the world. He went to the cross and paid the price with his blood that our sins no longer would be an issue of coming between us and God. But then it falls to us to receive what he did. See, a gift can be given to you, but you have to receive it. And so today, will you receive the gift of salvation into your life are you ready to be born again and so today if you have that realization pastor i've never done that i've never surrendered my life to christ i've never been born again then i'd love to help you take that step there may be others of you in this room right now who come to the realization that maybe you have walked with the lord maybe that relationship that was once there it's not there in quite the same way and today you recognize your need to renew your commitment to Christ. Get your heart right with him all over again. I'd love to pray with you too. And so with every head bowed, not, not moving around, not looking around, this is a very holy moment right now. I can feel the Holy Spirit working on hearts and lives. And today if you would say, Pastor that, that you're talking to me. I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I need to be born again for the first time, or I need to recommit my life to Christ, I want to be a part of that prayer. And do me a favor, wherever you are, if that's you, raise your hand, let me see it. Is there anybody here like that today? I see you in the back over here. I see you right here. Do me a favor, as you raise your hand, just open your eyes and make eye contact with me. I see you right here. I love that. I see you right here. I see you back there, right there, right there. Awesome, awesome. Is there anyone else? Don't miss this. I see you right here. Anyone else? I don't want to miss this moment. Don't you miss it. If the Holy Spirit's moving and stirring in your heart, the Bible's very plain. It says today is the day of salvation. We don't miss these God moments. And so in this room, I see you right here. That's awesome. In this room, quite a few of you raised your hand to say, I need to be born again. And so right where you are, here's what I want us to do. I'm going to lead you in this prayer. And I want you to pray this prayer right where you are. This is your prayer. I'll give you the words, but this is yours. You open up your heart even further. You talk to God right where you are. And here's what I want you to say, something like this. Jesus, thank you for loving me the way that you do. You went to the cross in my place. You took my guilt, my shame. You took my sin. And Jesus, you paid the price for all of that. And today, by faith, I receive what you did. And Jesus, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. Messed up. And today, I ask for your forgiveness. I repent for the life that I've lived. 
Jesus, today I ask that through your precious blood, today you would change me. Today I would be born again. I choose to surrender everything that I am to you. And Jesus, come live in my heart. I embrace you as the Lord, the Master, the Savior of my life. And today I thank you for the way you love me. And Jesus, I thank you for letting me step into your family today. In Jesus' name, I pray. What's everybody say together? Can we give the Lord a good hand clap today? Now, I want you to do me a favor because I, I really... I could really feel the Holy Spirit moving on some hearts and some lives. And for those of you who raised your hand to surrender your life to Christ, this is not a moment where you're just like, okay, I'll raise my hand. You just got born again. Your name was just written in a book in heaven called the Lamb's Book of Life. And so here, I want you to do something for me. I want you to take out a card right there in front of you. Fill it out. Check off the box that says, Today I gave my heart to Jesus. Before you leave this place, we have a prayer team who's going to be at this altar here in the next few moments as we dismiss. I want you to bring that card up to one of them. They'd like to pray with you. It's nothing weird is going to happen. They're just going to pray with you. If you got any questions, they'll answer them. But they're also going to talk to you about your next steps in your walk with Jesus and how from this moment on you can continue to grow in that relationship with Christ, okay? And so today as we leave out of here, Church family, if you need prayer for anything, don't hesitate to come and let our prayer team pray with you. They've been praying for you all week long, okay? And they would love to encourage you and pray with you today as well, whether it's a prayer request for you or a family member or a friend. And so let's all stand to our feet. I don't know about you, but I had fun today. It's always fun to speak with my wife, okay? Now, check this out. The tendency, you hear things like this and you're like, man, you know what? We're going to start telling each other we love each other and we appreciate. We're going to start encouraging each other. We're going to start spending time together as a family. And then the tendency is you want to do those things, but you leave out of here. And usually within a couple hours, a day, two, three, whatever, those things kind of fall by the wayside. Okay? We go to Piccadilly and we get all enthralled about pecan pie. And we forget. What what Pastor James say to speak on it? Something good. I don't remember, though. Listen to me. Let these things be real in your life. Start saying what needs to be said. Start doing what needs to be done. Start living for Jesus and live a life where we're modeling Christ for our kids. And then don't quit. Everybody say, don't quit. Don't quit. Do not quit. Our families are worth fighting for. Amen. And don't ever forget this. We don't just go to church. Love you guys. We'll see you back here this next week. Y'all be blessed.